0: Welcome to this week's edition of Liberty Through the Word with Senior Pastor Mark Eland of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Beloit, Wisconsin. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is to say that the Word of God provides us with physical, moral, and spiritual freedom. Let's tune our hearts and listen to Assistant Pastor Mark Testerman as together we experience liberty through the Word.
1: God has not called us to live in darkness or to dwell in darkness or to remain in darkness. I know we go through darkness for a period of time. I want you to know something. God has made a doorway. He's made many doorways for us to walk through. And we are to walk from darkness. That is exiting the darkness. And we are to walk in the light. God wants us to walk in the light. As a matter of fact, he says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, you are the light of the world. He said a city set on a hill cannot be hid. Jesus himself said, you are the light of the world. Now how can a light live in darkness in your personal life? In John chapter 12 verse 36, he said, put your trust in the light while you have it. He says, so that you may become sons of light. And in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 it says, for you were once darkness, oh that's got to hit us in between the eyes now, for you were once darkness but now you are light in the Lord. And he says live as children of light. He wants us to live as children of light. I want you to know something. Darkness is a picture of woundedness. And that's what I'm getting at when I say darkness. It's a picture of woundedness. Now let me ask you some things here. Do you have insecurity or shyness or low self-esteem or fear in your life? Does that ever rise up in your life? Low self-esteem and shyness and fear and timidity. I want you to know something. You're walking in darkness in that particular area of your life. And God is saying you don't have to do that. Do you walk sometimes in slander and gossip and backbiting and malice and discord and strife? That's because that particular area of your life is darkness and God is saying I want to shine my light in that particular area of your life. Do you walk in addictions and abusiveness and resentment at times? That's because there's an inner darkness that begins to dwell in that particular area of your life and that's the way it manifests itself. Do you walk in lies and deception and manipulation and anger and rage and hatred? When we walk in things like that, there's an inner darkness that's present. Do we walk in jealousy? And do we walk in envy and greed and bitterness and unforgiveness and unwholesome communication and coarse joking, sexual immorality and loneliness and unhappiness, hopelessness, confusion, ignorance, disobedience, and sin? Those are areas that are dark in our life. And God is saying, listen, I want to do a healing in that particular area of your life. Well, first of all, you've got to realize that Satan has an assignment against you. John 10.10 makes it very clear. What? To kill, steal, and destroy. That is his assignment against you. And I want you to see how gradual or manipulative he is in terms of bringing this into a reality in our life. The first thing he wants to do is he wants to inflict you or me. And that word means to cause pain. It means to wound. That's the first thing Satan wants to do. He wants to find some way to inflict you. He finds a way to poke you or to probe you. And listen, there can be a million different ways he can do this. But his first step is to inflict you. Well, if it's not dealt with, then what happens? It becomes not only an infliction, but it becomes an infection. Now think about it one time. You take a sliver that gets under just the tip of your finger. Oh, you might look at it and say, I'm not going to deal with that today. Well, then tomorrow it's a little bit more red around that thing and then the next day it's a little more red pretty soon the whole tip of it and pretty soon you can't even use the whole hand so satan moves in a subtle way he wants to inflict us and then he wants to infect us that is to say he wants to contaminate us or make us disease and he wants it to spread so if we don't deal with the infliction and the infection what it will lead to is he will inhibit us now what i mean by that is to say that he will restrain us it will subdue us That's what he wants to do to a child of the living God. He wants to restrain a child of the living God. He wants to subdue them. He wants to control them. He wants to be in command over the children of God. He wants to conquer them and he wants to overcome us. But we've got to be smarter than he is. Smarter in the spirit. Because I'll show you exactly where he really wants to take us is he really wants to incarcerate us. That is to say, he wants to put us in a prison, and that's what wounds are. Wounds are prisons that we get into in life. It's a place of confinement, it's a place of bondage. You might call it a spiritual straitjacket. But you see, he takes us through the stages. A wound, that's an infliction. We don't deal with that, that's the infection. And then it begins to inhibit us, it begins to subdue us, it begins to take control of our life and to the point that it can incarcerate you So how it happens is just like that. He inflicts you, infects you, he inhibits you, and then he incarcerates you. But I want you to see why it happens. Here's Satan's interest. I want you to know something. He wants to keep you from your prosperity. And I think we hand over our prosperity to Satan. I don't even think he has to take it from us. I think we hand it over sometimes just by being careless. I think we hand over prosperity by being disobedient sometimes. We hand over prosperity just by being ignorant sometimes. Satan wants our prosperity, but not only does he want our prosperity, that's our wealth. He wants our peace, which is to say he wants our health. And we know by listening to the experts today, most of our, our sicknesses are related to our emotional realm. If he can get you to worry about something, you can worry yourself sick. Satan wants your peace. He wants your prosperity and he wants your peace. That's to that's say he wants your health, but I want you to know something tonight. Even more than those things, he wants your portion. Your portion is not only your lot in life your portion is your destiny satan wants your destiny and he will rise up against you because ah i want that destiny he says he wants your future he wants the promise that the father's made you not only does he want your your portion i want you to know something he wants your potential you have got to hear something about the word potential the first six letters of the word potential are potent p-o-t-e-n-t And when I say he wants your potential, you know what potent means? It means authority. It means power. That's exactly what Satan wants from you. He wants your power. He wants your authority. And he'll do everything he can to get that. How does he do that? Inflicts you, infects you, inhibits you. And then he begins to incarcerate you because he'll shut up a a child of the living God like that. Some of them. He didn't shut up John the Baptist like that. He just kept on calling out until they took his head off. What does he want? Your prosperity, your peace your portion, your destiny, and He wants your potential. Now I want you to know something, God's got a great potential for every person here. He really does. Now look at the book of Acts chapter 1. And I want you to see some things here. Beginning at verse 4. The Bible says on one occasion while He was eating with them, He gave them this command. That's talking about Jesus. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates. The father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. I want you to see something over here in verse 4. The Bible says right there, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Now, this is really important. See, when God gives us a command or an order, he's given us something that he wants us to do. Jesus said this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. That's exactly what they did. In verse 7, it says, or in verse 8, He said, but you will, he didn't say you might. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. It takes being filled with the Holy Spirit to really have that kind of power even today, to be witnesses. How many people open their mouth constantly for God? I'll tell you what, there are so many people that are, that are God's children that are shut up in that area of their life. They're not opening their mouth for God. And it's not because they're not just not filled with the Holy Spirit, because I believe they are. I've known a lot of Holy Ghost-filled people that won't open their mouth for God. You can't even tell they're saved. But I want you to see something here. It says in verse 8, but you will receive power. And it's talking about dunamis. That is the wonder-working power. That is the miraculous power of God. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And I want you to hear me. There was a promise. Just get that in your heart for a second. There was a promise. And it's a promise by God. And, And we've got to see in the Bible. The Bible says that all of God's promises are yes and amen. All of his promises are true. Now... There was a promise, but look what happens in verse 9. Right on the heels of the promise of Jesus, a cloud came into the picture. Jesus was departing and ascending back into heaven. And the Bible says there came a cloud that day and got between Jesus and those disciples. A cloud is anything that darkens. It's anything that obscures. It's anything that makes things gloomy. Now we think about clouds sometimes. You've got vapor clouds. You've got steam clouds. You've got smoke clouds, you've got dust clouds, you've even got clouds of locusts. Even the Arabs say that locusts are, are the darkeners of the sun. Think about this for a second. Just when you feel like you've got a promise down in your heart from God, just when you think you've got something that's settled in your heart from God, there's a cloud that begins to come between you and that promise. It begins to get between the light. It begins to get between you and the, and the sun or the truth. And that's what it is. Jesus is a picture of all these things. He's a picture of this light. He's a picture of the truth. He's a picture of the sun. Satan sends a lot of clouds into our lives. He wants to hide us from the promises and the light and the revelation and Jesus. And what I want you to know, above them clouds and beyond those clouds, there's a promise from the heavenly father. I don't care how dark it is in your life. Above those clouds and beyond them, there is a promise from God. He cannot lie, the book of Titus says. There's a sun out there somewhere. Now look at verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. Verse 13. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and the rest of them. When we receive a promise from God, There ought to be a positioning on our part. What did Jesus tell them to do? Go to Jerusalem and wait. What did they do? They returned to Jerusalem and waited. That's how we position ourselves for the promise that God has given us. Whatever promise that might be in our lives. Listen, we we all have heart's desires. We're all looking for something in life. We all need something. We all need, it's more than just a touch of of God. We need certain things and we want certain things in life. But we shouldn't want them and need them any bigger than we want and need God. There was a positioning that took place. They heard the word of the Lord and they did exactly. I want to ask you something. Do you believe they would have received the Holy Ghost had they just said, ah, you know, wherever we go, let's go to Samaria. You know, that same God can give it to us in Samaria. I don't believe there would have been. Because they've been walking in disobedience. That's why it's so important to walk in obedience. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and tarry. Now, where were they tarrying at? They were tarrying in the upper room. The Bible says right there, they were staying in the upper room. Staying literally means to pause. I want you to know something. Everything else in life said, listen, we got to put it on pause. Everything else has got to be put on pause. Jesus gave us a command. He said, go to Jerusalem, get in that upper room, and you wait for that gift, my Father's promise. What gift are you looking for from God? Might be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Might be to be healed, might be in your finances, might be in your relationships, could be a lot of different ways. There was a promise and then there was a positioning, but I want you to see what else there was in verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There was a prostration going on in that upper room. Those folks were on their face. Listen, they they meant business. They wanted that gift. They didn't even understand what that gift meant. We understand what it means. It had never been poured out like this. They didn't even understand what they were. But they knew Jesus said, listen, if Jesus said wait and Jesus said go, there was something and gift. Whoa, come on now. There was something awesome going to be given to them by the Father. Them folks were prostrated before the Lord. They were down on their face like this and they were crying out before God and they weren't about to get up off their faces. I think I heard one time that they were in that room for about seven days or so tarrying for that Holy Spirit to come upon them. And that's one thing that we need to do too. When we get a promise from God, whether it be through the Word of God, maybe maybe it's the man of God, a woman of God, maybe it's through a dream, we need to tarry. We need to get prostrated before the Lord. We need to get positioned before the Lord. Don't walk around nonchalantly going, oh, he's promised me this. He's just going to give it to me. It has everything to do with our obedience. Our obedience has everything to do with it because our obedience is what positions us to receive the promise from God. So they were prostrated on the floor saying, God, you've got a promise for me. Oh, we want uh, that gift. We want that Holy Spirit. God, pour your spirit out upon us. There was a prostration going on that day. I want you to look at Acts chapter 2 now, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place suddenly a sound, I liked it, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. So there was a promise by God. Uh, Then there was a positioning about those disciples. And then there was a prostration. But I want you to know something. When all that began to come together, there was a pouring out by God. God began to pour out his holy spirit upon him he began to pour off the holy ghost as a gift into their hearts that's what god wants to do to us he wants to pour it into our lives hallelujah he wants to pour that gift into us they were endued with power from on high just like god said i'll, I'll fill you with my spirit i wish it was just that simple that that would be the end of the story right there but it's not the end of the story and you know that as christians You know God's got a promise of salvation promise of the Holy Spirit. You know that you're supposed to be positioned before God That means walking in obedience. You know that you're supposed to be prostrated That means praying and worshiping the Lord and then you know there's going to be an outpouring or pouring out of his spirit But I want you to know something else. There's persecution that's going to come your way. You mark it on your Bible somewhere Persecution is going to raise its head your way I'm telling you guys these guys were no more filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to get persecuted If you look at verse 13 it says uh, these guys Somehow it says, however, some made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. That is character assassination. I want you to know something. Anytime you start to say something about someone uh, that you're, you're wanting the crowd to go along with, that's character assassination. That's called persecution. Persecution began to get poured out. I mean, these guys hadn't been filled with the Holy Ghost, but minutes and all of a sudden persecution broke out. I want you to know something. The devil wants to shut you up. And if he can persecute you, that's where he can wound you. That's where the wounds come from. You get persecuted in life. I'll tell you why he brings persecution into our life. Because he wants to take away, number one, your praise. It's hard to praise God when you're getting persecuted. It is. It's tough to praise God when you, when you feel like you're getting treated unfairly. That's, the, that's what persecution is. He wants to take away your praise. And he wants to take away your prayer life. Uh-oh, did I hit on something there? He wants to take away your prayer life. He wants to take away your purpose in life. That is to say, he wants to take your vision. He wants to get the vision out in front of you. And get it behind you where he belongs. And he wants to take away ultimately your power. He's after the power, but he he can only get the power if he gets your praise, and he gets your prayer, and he gets your vision, he gets your purpose in life. I'm telling you, he'll snatch the power from you. Persecution broke out. Oh, but then you got to see verse 14. Immediately after the persecution had broke out, it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. And the revelation, really, from that scripture is simply this. Peter stood up, he raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. These were not believers. So when it says he addressed the crowd, he addressed the opposition. And let that speak volumes to our heart. Any opposition that comes against us in life, any type of persecution that comes against us in life, these things like fear, and, and these things like unforgiveness and shyness, all these different things that come against us, to per anger, Whatever it may be, the things I read off, those things are the things that come against you to persecute you. But it says, Peter, or it could mean you too, he stood up and he addressed the crowd, or meaning the darkness. Or the opposition because these were not children of light they were children of darkness that he was addressing I think that's what God wants us to do he says listen I want you to take a stand I want you to stand up like Peter stood up and I want you to address it I don't want you to keep sweeping it under the rug I want you to meet it face to face to come into contact with it and say listen you're in opposition with me listen you're in darkness against me and I am a child of light and I come against you in the name of the Lord in the power of the Lord amen So what you see there, there was a pouring out, then there was persecution, but then there was proclamation. Peter stood up and said, listen, I'm going to address this. I'm going to proclaim something here. Remember we said in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony? That's exactly what Peter was doing. He was saying, listen, I've got the blood of the Lamb, the shed blood of the Lamb on the inside of me. I can overcome this persecution. I can get beyond this stuff right here. Jesus is the risen Lord, is what he was saying. And he says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? The word saved means to be delivered and be healed. And so the the situations that we're going through in life where we feel... Uh, have been persecuting us throughout the years. I want you to know something. God has made a way for you to be delivered from it. He's made a way for us to be healed from it. But the thing is, is we're going to have to stand up against it. We're going to have to stand up like Peter did and said, I want to address the situation in my life. I'm not talking about addressing someone else. I'm not talking about getting in somebody else's face. But I'm talking about the inner things that are in our heart. The things that bother us, make us do things that aren't right in God's eyes. But to get out of that persecution on the inside, that woundedness on the inside, we have to do like Peter did, and take a stand against it, and address that darkness, address those wounds that are on the inside. The Bible says in John chapter eight, verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But if you said, Pastor Mark, make it real plain with me, how do I receive inner healing? I'm gonna give you the revelation that God gave me from some scriptures found in Acts. Acts chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. And I want you to hear these very carefully. When I looked at the book of Acts and I started studying prison, just the word prison, I saw the word prison come up more time in the book of Acts than it does anywhere else in the Bible. And I thought to myself, now why is that, Lord? Why does it come up more times in the book of Acts? That's where the Holy Ghost was poured out. That's where the power was poured out. And I want you to know something, that's what Satan wants to keep you from. He wants to keep you from walking in the authority and the power of God. And when that power was being poured out, I'm telling you what, the persecution was being poured out. Something awesome. And the prisons were filling up. And I began to look at the different people that were in prison in the book of Acts. And I saw some interesting things. First of all, beginning at verse 17 in in chapter 5. Then the high priest and all of his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. Now watch this. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Now, you can look at that and you can say, well, I don't ever plan on being in jail. That doesn't mean anything to me. You've got to open your heart. Watch this now. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. The Bible says, but during the night. You know what the night is? The night is a period of darkness. The Bible says, during the night. I circled those words. During the midst of your darkest moments. During the night. When you can't see as well, when something has obscured your vision, during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door. Doors are pretty much made for two reasons, to enter or to exit. They're made to come in and to go out and the Bible says during the night, in the midst of the darkness, the Lord opened the doors. When you open prison doors, they give you four words, you're free to go. I felt the Lord speak into my heart and say, Mark, tell them they can exit the darkness. Jesus made it very clear in the book of John, I am the door. The Lord opened the doors and brought them out from the darkness. And then he said, go stand in the temple courts. You know what the temple courts is? The temple court is the sanctuary. Go stand in the sanctuary and tell the people the full message. He said, give them a whole message. Don't give them part of a message and incomplete. Give them the whole truth. The message of this new life. That life, John 10.10, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. In the book of Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 5, now Peter's in prison. So Peter was kept in prison But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. It's interesting again that it was the middle of the night or in the middle of the darkness. It could have been in the daytime. You know, Jesus can break into the jail. Angels can come into the jail in the daytime too. But I think God wants us to know, listen, in your darkest times, I'll be there for you. When there's no light, when you're bound and chained, when you're in between guards, I will be there for you. He said here, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Why did he have to have light? I mean, obviously, the angel strikes him on the, on the side and says, get up and put on your clothes. Did he have to have light so he could find his clothes? I, I seriously doubt that. Do you know what light is? Light is revelation. Light is truth. So reread the scripture. The Lord appeared and revelation shone in the cell. Or truth began to glow in the cell. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord appeared And revelation or a manifestation of revelation and truth began to shine in the cell. How long it's been said lies cannot stand in the presence of truth any more than darkness can stand in the presence of light. It's just impossible. That's what inner healing is all about. If you want the wound to go away, you've got to dress the lie like Peter did. But now Jesus said here that a light or revelation or truth shone in the cell. Do you know what a cell is? A cell is a chamber. Do you know what your heart has in it? Four chambers. Do you know what your mind has in it? Many cells. That's what your heart is, is your mind. How do I get inner healing? How do I make this pain and hurt go away in my heart? There has to be a light that shines in the cell. That is to say there has to be a revelation of truth in the heart. That's what makes the darkness go away. That's the only thing that will make darkness go away. I want us to be whole, I want us to be healthy. But we've got to get rid of the darkness that's on the inside. And there's plenty of it. And the only way to do it is there has to be a light that shines in the cell. It has to shine in the very heart of man. And darkness can't stay there. It has to leave. It has to go. And then in Acts, chapter 16, verse 22, we went from the apostles being in prison to Peter being in prison. Now you have Paul and Silas in prison in the book of Acts. The Bible says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Upon receiving such orders he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. A man's deepest wounds are in the inner cell, I mean in the inner core of his heart. Just like Paul was put in this inner cell, and there were probably cells around the cell, but I mean the inner cell was the maximum security. That's where Paul and Silas were placed. And I want you to know something, as much as we don't want to do it, our flesh just does it automatically it takes the deepest most hurtful things of our life and it locks them up in the center of our heart and i'm telling you what it takes an earthquake to get them things to come out but there was an earthquake that night and the stocks and the chains dropped off of these men did you notice it said about midnight again in the midst of the darkness it doesn't get much darker than midnight at midnight the bible says paul and they were praying They were prostrated before God as much as they could. They were praying and they were singing those old gospel hymns to God. And the other prisoners began to listen to them. And suddenly there was an earthquake. And the prison was shaken. And at once the prison doors, I told you God will make a way. God will make a door. He is a door. And suddenly the prison doors opened. And everybody's chains came loose. That is to say they were no longer bound. That's what God wants to do in our hearts the bible says in malachi chapter 4 verse 2 but those who revere my name the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings
0: we pray that this word is ministered to you today in a powerful way it is our prayer that the body of christ be whole and healthy to accomplish the last day's work Liberty Through the Word is a ministry of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Lloyd, Wisconsin. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast, we'll send it to you for a love gift of any size. You can contact us at 1525 Liberty Avenue, on the web at libertychristianfellowship.com, or by calling us at 608-365-0866. When you contact us, just mention the date of this broadcast. We thank you and boldly declare that there is liberty through the word. God bless.